Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Adam Stewart, bringing you the final edition of our 2021 CFL season deep dive series. Yes, can you believe it? We finally made it here in early April to finally finishing off the previous season of CFL coverage. Today, we'll be talking all things Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But before we do that, we do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, want to acknowledge that CFC headquarters are located on Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Well, as we end off our deep dive series in the last season, I can't think of a better way than to simultaneously kick off a new era here on the podcast as uh, we welcome in one of the newest members of the podcast team for his first official uh, podcast debut outside of the little introduction one is one of the hosts of our brand new weekly preview show coming this year the great adam stewart is here with me tonight adam how's it going my friend good 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 and yourself ryan i uh i'm real excited to get this going so uh yeah uh like i said it's been uh i've been listening in on the podcast before for the other eight uh teams and it's really exciting to get into the uh into the rough rider stuff today uh but most times I'm supposed to be previewing. I don't know about this whole post bottom uh, <laughs> of my uh, of my favorite team. Yeah, in hindsight, maybe this wasn't the best uh, coordinate. You know, welcome to the weekly preview show. Now it's recap things from six months ago. But you know what? Sometimes you got to look backwards so that you can look forwards or something wise like that, right? Let's say that. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk everything, uh, everything riders from this past season. We'll get into talking about preseason expectations, beginning, middle, end chunks of the season, and then uh, what they've done this offseason as well. Normally, we start uh, these deep dives by uh, getting the uh, getting the backstory of how you first got into the CFL, involved in the podcast and all of that. But to that, I just say, go back a couple episodes ago and listen to the full 30-minute deep dive uh, on Adam himself there. I recommend checking that out. So we can dive right into talking about the riders here then. Uh, 2021 season coming into the year for them. Uh, you know, no season back in 2020. Uh, so we go back to 2019 was the last time out for them before that. Uh, a 13-5 and record that season, first in the West. Uh, decent number of off-season changes for them. Uh, among that, you know, you look at uh, who would be the most notable ones uh, from, from the overhaul from 2019 here. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt gone, uh, Manny Arsenault, Kenny Stafford, so some overhaul at wide receiver. Uh, the defensive line, Charleston Hughes, a big piece missing there. Linebacker just got gutted. Derek Moncrief, Cam Judge, Solomon L. Mimian. Uh, some big changes between seasons for the the riders, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Charleston Hughes was one of those that was just kind of a fan favorite here in Saskatchewan. And I know that uh, there's a lot of people questioning that one on Jeremy O'Day, uh, not being able to see into the future what maybe the future came of, uh, expecting Charleston Hughes to come back to Saskatchewan, uh, especially with Micah Johnson still there. They figured it was probably a shoe-in to uh, keep uh, Charleston Hughes. Uh, Fan-wise, again, sometimes Saskatchewan fans think mostly with our heart and maybe <laughs> not with the uh, business side of the game. And the business side of the, side of the game always kind of sucks, no matter how you look at it. Uh, the other one also, again, Solomon Aluminian 
and Derek Moncrief both gone. Moncrief again had his opportunity down in the NFL. He went and he took his shot. And I mean, you can't blame the guy for doing that. Uh, and Solomon Elaminian, of course, retired that year. It was, again, the uh, linebacking core definitely, definitely needed to uh, get some updates after that season. Yeah, now now what were your preseason expectations for the team? Because coming into the year, I would say coming into training camp, I was a little higher on the team. And then uh, I know you've got the list pulled up here, but a freak uh, bundle of injuries, the weirdest ones I've ever, the weirdest case of it I've ever seen in the CFL. Uh, how many guys was it again with, uh, with with ACL injuries? It was just utterly ridiculous. You couldn't believe that uh, four guys in one day get four ACL injuries. I mean, I remember being at the game when Darian Durant took out his Achilles that time. Uh, not ACL, sorry, uh, Achilles injuries that time. And I remember that um, that game with uh, Darian uh, ending up taking himself or getting taken off the field. And you just fell for the guy because you figured this could be the end. And I mean, when you have four of them in one shot, not only that, but three of them. Uh, Larry Dean, who is filling one of those linebacking roles. Uh, Freddie Bishop, who just came in that season. He was another big piece that was going to be expected to fill in that Charleston Hughes spot for the, for the defensive line. And... Also, Nelson Lacombo, another big uh, defensive back that they thought was going to be something in Saskatchewan, possibly even getting an NFL shot the year after. They were excited to have him at that point. All three guys gone in an instant, essentially. And this was well even before a training camp started. Like, it, it was just, it, it, there was bedlam here for a little bit in Saskatchewan. Yeah, wasn't it like the night before official training camp started or something like that? And I remember reading too, it was like the trainers are there, they're they're helping one guy as they're helping one guy out, the next one falls. It was like it's like a weird chain reaction, unlike anything I, I've seen. And so uh that hurt the preseason expectations for me for a bit there for the riders. Uh, you know, some they had that. You also had, a, I think, a couple of guys on the offensive line, like Brendan Labatt, who didn't report to the team for this season, was a big one there, uh, among others. And so I was concerned about the offensive line. I was concerned about the linebacker position were the main two things for me, for the riders. And frankly, I wasn't sure what to make of Cody Fajardo because 2019 was his big season as a starter there. We'd seen him bounce around the league a little bit. So... I, I actually did have the Riders finishing last place in the West Division in my preseason expectations for the team. Where did you have them slotted in? You know, actually, I still had them in second place. I figured that there was enough depth in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, linebacking core that they've signed up. And again, one of the big signings they had that time was Micah Tights, uh, Canadian. Has again, he he proved it this year or this in 2021 in the end. But at the beginning of the year. That was your that was your main guy essentially going in, and it was it was fairly nervous going into the uh, or going into the uh, well training camp. There was no preseason last year. Right. The other one also that I think you're right. It was again Brendan Labatt not reporting was a big big problem for the Rough Riders, and especially when uh, when they were already short offensive linemen and not having that depth. Josiah uh, St. John has not been a very good draft pick as much as I'd like to say he was, he hasn't been. And it, it's unfortunate. I mean, the guy puts his effort into it, but it just is not that guy that's ever taken that next step. 
Brett Boyko. I mean, I got another guy came from BC, just not really the guy that you expect maybe to uh, pull off uh, miracles for you in an offensive line role. So the Rough Riders were already suffering a little bit in that offensive line that was uh, pretty good for quite a little while there. And yeah, it was, I think I had the Rough Riders still second just because I had real faith in Cody Fajardo and that defensive secondary was still huge. And the D-line was still great with Micah Johnson and with a few other pieces in there. But it was to the point where you're like, okay, we'll see what happens here in the first three games. Right, yeah. And, you know, before people come for my head uh, for putting the Riders in the last place in the West Division, I had them last in the very tight West Division, okay? <laughs> uh, it was a very much like first through fifth. A couple wins changed uh, there. Uh, it was my preseason prediction. But yes. And, and let's uh, face it, we all know that if you uh, finish last in the West, you still could finish first in the East <laughs> traditionally. <laughs> maybe maybe this year we might be saying something different, but that's later on. Yes, for sure. That's for the preview shows. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but I will admit, yeah, I was down on the Riders preseason. They surprised me this year with how well they did end up playing, and, and I got to give them credit for that and uh yeah the offensive line changes there uh if we were talking at this point last off season i, I don't know if uh, any of us would have necessarily predicted i believe logan furland ended up uh, having the most snaps out of anybody on the entire team i, I don't think we could have seen that coming preseason or this early on necessarily but guys stepped up big time throughout this season for the riders which we'll uh, we'll talk about some of them more as we go through the games here but let's get into Talking about the games themselves, we'll break it up into the chunks uh, of the season, and uh, we've got a real nice breakdown, I think, here for the Riders, because uh, their schedule was a very odd one, where there were a lot of back-to-backs, and in some cases, back-to-back-to-backs with a bye in the middle, so... Uh, We'll go through the first five games here first. Season starts off with a 33-29 win over the BC Lions, followed up by a 30-8 win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a 23-10 win over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Everything's looking great. 3-0 start to the season at home. Then we've got the Labor Day Classic, where they uh, they do lose to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 23-8. And the rematch in the Banjo Bowl the week later to the 33-9 there. So first five games of the year, a 3-2 and two record, a very much up and down 3-2 and two record here to start the year. But uh, let's start off with the first game of the season because this was one of those games that uh, we talked about it a couple days ago on our Lions Deep Dive uh, when I chatted with Reed Johnson from the MarkCast. Uh, same thing I said about BC then. No idea what to expect for the season coming out of that game. Same thing for the Riders. Uh, this was a wild win this first one of the year, wasn't it? Absolutely. I remember going to that game and uh, the first half, I think there was every Rider fan thinking, we're going we're going far this year. Man, are we playing good. Uh, the big surprise though in that game was when the BC Lions, all of a sudden you hear, uh, starting for the BC Lions today, is Nathan Rourke, and you're like, wait, did something happen to Mike Riley or Michael Riley? Like, what? Why is Michael Riley not starting the season with the BC Lions? So I think yeah, while everybody was trying to figure that out, the Riders had a few picks and had a had a turnover or two, and marched the ball down the field and scored a couple touchdowns, and all of a sudden, yep, here comes Michael Riley, and 
Uh, yeah, the second half was definitely not the same as the first half. That's for sure. Uh, I know the uh, BC Lions, I don't know if the Riders, again, this is more of the put the foot off the pedal. I don't want to say they did. But, you know, maybe they were better conditioned in BC. Maybe they were just ready to go or they were something was up because the riders just in the second half couldn't get anything going and turned into edge of your seat football by the time the fourth quarter hit. That's for sure. Yeah, the the, the riders jump out to a, a 31 nothing lead with about four minutes left in the first half. They go on to win the game 33-29. So the Lions come all the way back in the second half. You're right. It was a, a weird situation. I imagine it was weirder being in the stadium as well and hearing that all of a sudden the the Nathan Rourke is starting the game. You know, not, no idea what to expect of him coming in. Ben Riley takes over. Plays okay, but uh, all of his balls are flutter balls uh, there. Which, uh, but you know what? They they the Riders for whatever reason, whether it was take the foot off the gas or were caught by surprise by some of the switcheroos at halftime there, uh, struggled in the second half that in this game. A great start to the season. Cody Fajardo looking fantastic in the first half. You like to see that. They're running the ball well with William Powell in the first half. And this is something I have a feeling we're going to talk about in a lot of these games this season, is where did, what happened to William Powell in the second half of the game? I, I don't remember the exact count, but I feel like it was two or three carries, maybe the whole second half when you're up 31 points in the game. To me, that's been one of the most frustrating things for me with Powell's time in Saskatchewan. And uh, I'm kind of excited for him to go back to Ottawa now and see what he's going to do there because such a talented running back, but they never went his way when it meant, meant, made the most sense to. Absolutely. I mean, William Powell in this game, most of those carries were definitely in the first half, if I remember correctly. He was running the ball down the BC Lions' throat and looking good doing it. I mean, there was not much stopping William Powell. And then all of a sudden in the second half, they just decided, let's go with the passing game. And, of course, everybody kind of knows a little later on what we're going to say about Cody Fajardo in the passing game. Uh, but at the current moment, Shaq Evans was hot that night. Uh, it, it, a lot of things happened that was uh, uh, going for the Rough Riders' way. Now, it was also their first home game. been a long time. So, like I say, it was just a good game to start off with for the Rough Riders. But, yeah, second half, it just all kind of imploded for a little while there on the Rough Riders. And to be honest, very lucky they came away with the win in game one. I wonder how differently things would have gone if they didn't, right? Do you talk about momentum? I mean, can you get momentum from the first game of the year? I, I guess maybe when you've been off for two years, there, there's the potential certainly out of that. But they do come out of the, that one with a win. Then they can rile off two more wins back-to-back uh, -back against Hamilton and Ottawa. 30-8, to 23-10. to 10. Biggest storyline from these two games has to be the play of the defense, right? I mean, you're holding your two opponents to, to 18 points in those two games. Uh, defense stepping up big time here early in the season. Absolutely. Luchas Furifoy was huge. He recovered a fumble uh, earlier on in that game. Uh, the, the defense was just massive in that game all around. Uh, A.J. Hendy had his first pickup uh, interception in that game. Uh, just lots and lots of defense in that game. I remember Nick Marshall having a great game as well. Uh, even the uh, linebacking quarter, that's the first time that we've seen a little bit out of Micah Tights in that game. And let's face it, it chased uh, 
Jeremiah Mazzoli out of that game, probably I think it was around the third quarter, and you just knew that the Rough Riders defense was just stifling that game. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think it was raining or anything like that would cause a few extra fumbles, but uh, it was just one of those games that Saskatchewan's defense, it didn't matter if the offense played or not, essentially, because the defense of Saskatchewan and that secondary was just on fire. Also, the uh, the defensive line, uh, I'll just take a quick look here, but I believe the defensive line had a couple of sacks there early on Mazzoli and just were having a great, great game all over generally. Uh, defensive tackles, I'm just taking a look here. Nick Marshall had five. Purefoy had another five. And as I said before, uh, Blaze Brown, A.J. Hendy had interceptions. Uh, Purifoy and A.C. Leonard also had a fumble recovery. So big game for the Rough Riders defense and the momentum for the defense anyways carried on to game number three. Yeah, and they did much the same in that game number three as well. We'll talk about that one shortly. But the big the big thing that did come out of this one as a negative uh, in week two for the Riders was the injury to Shaq Evans, who you mentioned, you know, week one uh, looked pretty good there, coming off a strong 2019 season. Did end up missing most of the year. Uh, we'll talk about him maybe a little more uh, later in the season when he returns and, and how he fared when he returned. But uh, certainly a tough blow to lose one of your go-to receivers there. But uh, what do they do in the next week following that up? Well, Cody Fajardo completes 85% of his passes for 300 yards in that game. Uh, also rushes for almost 50, uh, but not really putting the points up on the board. He got one rushing touchdown, no passing touchdowns out of it. Uh, early in the season, you got to give Ottawa credit. They played some stingy defense there, uh, but seems like uh, yet again, the Riders defense stepping up for a big win here. The offense moving the ball down the field and uh, enough field goals basically to kick a win, right? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. However, there was one big thing that happened in that game was uh, the uh, emergence of one Canadian named Keon Schaefer Baker. Had 64 yards, four receptions, or four receptions on five attempts, had 22 yards after catch, just had a big, big game, as well as another Canadian, Braden Lenience, had a great game that one as well. 67 yards, a uh, big, long 31-yard uh, drive, or uh, catch the one. I just had a, just an overall a great game, uh, the two receivers. Uh, now, that being said, was it Cody Fajardo's best game? Had an okay, 130 for 35. Again, like you said, 85% uh, completions, but short yardage. This is going to be a key going into this later on. Lots of those were short yard passes. Uh, you didn't see the deep ball. Like I said, the longest one was 31 yards there against Ottawa, which had a little bit of a suspect secondary. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought those two guys up because they were two of the most exciting players around the league for me to watch this season. You know, coming into the year, you're not sure what to expect. Like, you got Shaq Evans, you got Kyron Moore, you expect them to lead the way at receiver. Evans goes down. Moore still very much involved. I know one of these games, I think he had 15 targets or something like that. I forget which one it was. Uh, we'll, we'll probably get to it uh, at some point. Um, but, uh, then you have these guys step up and, and I knew there was uh, a lot of hype around Braden Lenius coming into the year. I think Cody Fajardo in preseason had said, uh, that he thought he could be a thousand yard receiver this year. Didn't hit the thousand yards. Nobody but Kenny Lawler in the league did, uh, but a very respectable season. And so did Keon Schaefer Baker. 
And uh, it's just fun watching good young Canadian talent at receiver. And, uh, you know, it's fun watching the stars of today, but it's also a lot of fun watching the stars of tomorrow. And uh, I think these two guys, I, I know Lenius is off to the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons, I believe. Uh, but I believe Schaefer Baker back for another season with the Riders, right? Yeah. And you know what? What's nice about both of those guys is Canadian. That's the big key for me. Uh, if you're going to build your uh, talent and you want to build your talent properly, you got to have lots of good Canadians. And seeing the Riders start to build some of that in game three last year in that receiving core with national Canadians, uh, it was it was big. Uh, also, just for a special shout out, offensive lineman Logan Furland, one, uh, for one for one catch and four yards. Good job <laughs> on the big guy. There we go. There we go. I like it. Uh, so three and zero start to the season. Then uh, much earlier than normal in the year because of the the late start to the season. We get right into the Labor Day and Banjo Bowl rivalry between uh, the Bombers and the Riders. And uh, you know Saskatchewan normally has the upper hand in in the first one in the game in Regina. Win it most years, but just did, did not seem to be their year the, in this one here. Uh, it was a weird game, a weird start to the game. It was 8-7 riders at halftime, uh, but then shut out in the second half. Uh, good start to the year. What, what, what went wrong in this one? Was it just facing the Giants of the Bombers' defense? Uh, do you chalk it up to that, or uh, was there anything on the riders' side of things that stood out to you? You know, uh, two, there was two big things that I seen in that game. The first being that Cody, uh, not Cody Fajardo, didn't have a great game. He was getting pressured heavily by that uh, uh, combination of Jefferson and also Jeff Coat. I mean, he had pressure in his face. He couldn't get balls off. He, the running game wasn't working. If you take a look at the stats in that one, uh, Willie Powell did not have a great game at all uh, for the uh, Rough Riders uh, rushing game there had eight carries for 44 yards. That's that's just not going to cut it when you're playing a team like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the other thing also, though, was Zacalaros was standing on uh, standing up the whole time. He had an offensive line in front of him that just held him and kept him standing up pretty much the whole game. Uh, 70% of completions passed by uh, Zacalaros had a big game. And the other one also, again, Andrew Harris, 95 yards, 18 carries. The guy was a workhorse. Um, let's face it, as much as I don't like admitting that, he, he had a great game as well. Uh, the, the Bombers did absolutely everything they needed to do, and they had the right adjustments in the second half and just took it straight to the Rough Riders. Uh, again, not very many big plays uh, on the uh, passing side of things. Longest pass, I think, was the Darvin Adams for 28 yards. But overall, just nothing really much going on there. This was also another game where the Rough Riders were introducing some new players, uh, which was kind of questionable, I think, a little bit in the media a little bit because Paul McRoberts just had a good game uh, in game three. He had a four for four and I think around 60 yards and had a decent enough game that everybody said, okay, he'll play in Labor Day. Well, he didn't. Ricardo Lewis came off the bench, started playing for Paul uh, McRoberts, which was kind of a surprise uh, two for six, 33 yards, nothing really spectacular, and yet was one of those guys that just kind of stuck around the Rough Riders afterwards. Yeah, and then getting into the next game, the rematch we'll talk about at the same time with the Bombers as well. 33-9 to nine loss in this one. Tough game here again for, for the Riders. Shut out in the second half. Uh, 
Cody Fajardo and the passing game failing to put up touchdowns uh, once again here. And uh, they did, to their credit, uh, use William Powell a little more in this one. 18 carries, 88 yards. Uh, I think they made some good adjustments there. Uh, and, uh, you know, the week before, that was the one where Kyron Moore, 10 catches on 15 targets. We expected a lot of the same again in this one. But this is actually the game that stood out to me because I was at this one where I first really got the sense of Keon Schaefer-Baker is something special because while the Riders didn't get much going in this one, this was an ugly game for them, uh, maybe more so than the week before. Uh, he was their number one receiver in that one, I remember. You know, eight targets, seven catches, 73 yards, not a bad day for him. Uh, and, you know, the offense did get a little bit going here and there. Cody Fajardo, I think, got, got injured maybe in this one, and Isaac Harker came in in the second half, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, once again, not a good day against the, the the bitter rivals there. You know, it was also one of those games that just got ugly, even just before the half ended. Uh, How could with, I forget? Yeah, <laughs> that one. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I believe it was uh, – uh, it was utterly amazing. Uh, 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 my brain, just give me one second here. <laughs> that a uh, few of the Rough Riders, I know the Riders were screaming, Rider fans, and I, I, I justified this one. Andrew Harris should have been tossed from that game. And I agree. In the first half. It, grab a guy and throw his helmet. You, you got to go. And yet two Rough Riders gets dragged out of the pile, Micah Johnson, and oh, my brain is dead on the other one. I think it someone might in the have... defensive backfield. I think yeah, right? Marino maybe was it? Marino, yes. Yeah, Marino gets was... Marino gets the boot, and then you're like, well, what in the world? Like, I know I was listening to this game on the radio there on uh, CKRM, and you're sitting there and what? Like, why are you grabbing two guys out of the pile and only one from Winnipeg? And mainly, it's 33 doing the chucking. Like, you're setting it, like, to me, it was just a terrible refereeing job. That was, again, most times he, his crew is actually pretty good, Andre Pruels. That one, he didn't have, his team did not have a good game. Um, and it just all went downhill from the Rough Riders after that, from Fajardo getting hurt uh, to Andrew Harrison running the ball right down the Riders' throat in the second half. Um, I know they tried to put in Isaac Harker. He couldn't do nothing either. I mean, that defensive line was was just putting pressure on anybody that went back into the game for the Rough Riders quarterback. And the like you said before, though, you're right. The big thing that the Rough Riders could uh, probably hang their hat on a little bit was Keon Schaefer-Baker had a heck of a good game. Uh, 83, big, just a big turnout for that game, I believe. Uh, yeah, 73 yards, 20 yards after catch. He, he came out and played. Kyron Moore was great that game as well. And again, this was the weird one in Saskatchewan. I remember guys talking about this. Ricardo Lewis, two for four, 15 yards. Everybody was excited at the preseason for Paul McRoberts a little bit. And I know there was some that maybe say, well, no, he never never proved anything. But, you know, every time in preseason, whenever you hear these reports, Paul McRoberts was the guy they were talking about. Yet, all of a sudden, Ricardo Lewis is in. And again, Ryder fans and probably some of the other ones were like, well, whatever. It's it, we got to just put somebody in because of the injured Shaq Evans. But you know, the Riders had some other options in there. And again, I think Paul McRoberts, um, maybe that's kind of I'm not sure what the story was there. Uh, maybe Ricardo Lewis's was one of the was JO's guy. Uh, the other big thing to remember in this game also, uh, there was a huge catch. I think it was was it just before the half or just after the half from Nick Dembski. 
uh, for the Bombers. 134 yards that game, and he had that 83-yard touchdown. Uh, that was pretty much the game right there. Once Nick Dembski got that ball, it was over for the Rough Riders, and it just never came back. Yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot about the uh, the big brawl there on the goal line there. I totally agree with you. I, I am in the camp as well that, like, I wouldn't have been mad, even as a Bomber fan, if they tossed Andrew Harris. Like, if, if you show me these guys throwing punches in a fight, you're telling me you're tossing somebody in the game from the game, like, yeah, that's a, that sounds reasonable to me. Whereas, of course, if he's not going to be tossed and two riders are, you're going to have a bunch of upset people, like, they could have mitigated that situation. Yes, uh, people might want to try to get into the fine print of the rule book and say, "Well, no, he shouldn't have been necessarily." But I, I would have, I would have liked to see it because that that was a weird end result of the uh, of the skirmish there uh, that I believe took place after uh, one of three Sean McGuire goal line plunges on the day in a weird stat line there. Very that, was, weird that was my uh, that was my key fantasy pick. Also, I hate to say, and I don't want to bring this into a bomber talk, but that was my key fantasy pick last year with Sean McGuire for quite a few plays. So <laughs> nice, I like it. Save the bold strategies for this season. We'll see Absolutely. how they go. Uh, so all in all, first five games of the year, you have a four game homestand to start the season. You come out of it three and two. I would argue that's probably the record I expected of them preseason. Cause I would have guessed a split with the bombers. I wasn't expecting the bombers to sweep, but I would have maybe expected a loss to Hamilton who everybody was really high on coming into the year. So fair to say they were record wise maybe right around where we expected them to be coming into this season but also the optics of things after these past two games coming into the next week against toronto was uh very much with the real riders team please stand up absolutely i mean when you looked at the uh record yes you beat a bc lions team you should have beaten uh you beat the tie cats team Again, that was more of the game I think a lot of Ryder fans were watching because, again, they were the finalists last the year before, or in 2019, I guess, uh, against the Bombers, and they were pretty much still the same kind of team. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks, yeah, the Riders expected probably to win that one. You, there's one thing in Saskatchewan that we just can't take, and that's losing the Labor Day Classic. The <laughs> Riders don't lose it often, but when they do, it doesn't matter if the team was 10-0 and before that or 9-0 and usually at that time, 8-0, 9-0. Before that, if we lose the Labor Day Classic, it's all alarm bells are off in Saskatchewan and they're going to go and huddle together and start conferencing and trying to figure out what's wrong with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders team. At that point, it was also said, again, I remember, uh, where's the deep ball? And there was it's been asked a few times at this point of the season, but I remember, like I said, when we lost the Labor Day Classic, and again, the way we lost that one in the, in the second half, the alarm bells were just blowing in Saskatchewan. Uh, and then especially when we went back to the Banjo Bowl and the Rough Riders put off a really stinker of a performance there. Um, I remember going in and that Toronto game, everybody said, okay, we it's a different opponent. We should win this one. This one should be a pretty easy game. And, well, on to Toronto. Yeah, on to Toronto there. And uh, you got to love those rivalry games uh, between the Riders and the Bombers. And uh, I'm very excited for the ones this coming season. And I'm sure a lot of friendly banter here on the podcast uh, well, and on the weekly preview shows. You know, just, the... a little, just a quick little thing on that, actually, if you don't mind. Uh, I remember uh, in 2004, 
2014 or no, sorry, 2011, I believe it was, or 2012, uh, the Greg Marshall era. It just ended right then. We brought back uh, brought back uh, Ken Miller again, Grand, uh, Papa Miller or the Grandpa Miller. Uh, we brought him back, and it began Saskatchewan. I don't know if we really won very many more games. But we won both the Labor Day game and the Battle Bowl, and Saskatchewan was happy. We, we that was all that mattered. As long as we beat them in the Labor Day game, we beat them in the Badger Bowl. The Ryder fans can pretty much say it's been a successful season. It doesn't matter what the records are going in. Uh, you never know what's going to happen when these two teams play. Uh, middle section of the season, we can basically call the Calgary section. I think uh, so. Five games here we'll talk about uh, starts off. 30-16 to 16 win over the Toronto Argonauts. Okay, we get things back on track. Then uh, a wild 31-24 game against the Lions. Uh, for some reason, Saskatchewan and BC enjoyed some uh, some really crazy games this season. And then in one of the most bizarre scheduling quirks I've seen, uh, right up there with uh, Ottawa and Winnipeg not playing at all this past season, uh, Saskatchewan plays Calgary in weeks 9, 10, and 12 with a bye week in the middle. An entire month of only seeing the Stampeders and uh, three really, really close back and forth games. The 23 to 17 loss in week nine, then a 22 to 19 loss the week after. But then the Riders come back and pull out the win in uh, week 12 with a 20 to 17 win there. Highest point differential uh, in a game between these two teams are six points. Uh, we'll talk about those in a second, I guess, but, uh, what from those first two ones, uh, Toronto and BC stands out most to you. I think the biggest thing on the Toronto game was again, the receiving core, not really making those big catches, but here's the thing. Keon Schaefer Baker again, showed that he's a person that everybody's got to follow in this league. Nine for 11, 99 yards and, uh, 51 yards after the catch. Just had a huge game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as well as that was the first game that Willie Powell had a big, big game uh, against a uh, pretty good Toronto Argonauts defensive line. And especially with a defensive line that included Charleston Hughes, who probably wanted to show Jeremy O'Day that, hey, I deserve to have uh, be paid what I got paid, and that's why I'm in Toronto. So it was very, very interesting to see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders almost step on the uh, Toronto Argonauts there and especially do it on the, in the trenches where you expected again, a uh, fired up Charleston Hughes. Yeah. And, and, you know, 21 carries for William Powell. This has me wondering what did Jason Maz have for breakfast that day? What changed about his, his diet and his game plan? Because this is a guy who we did see get, you know, around 18 carries a couple times. I think actually the game before against Winnipeg, they used him heavily. Uh, but something changed here in the middle of the season where they started using Powell and it was like, hey, look, this is effective. Surprise, you give the running back the ball, he's going to run and, and be successful. And he's a talented guy like William Powell is. Uh, unfortunately, it's something they didn't you didn't see consistently throughout the season. But, uh, uh, but uh, for a brief moment there, uh, there were dreams of a, a consistent run game there. You know, and it was actually interesting, too, because I know a few years before that, Rough Rider fans were screaming about George Cortez's offense. Run the ball, then maybe we'll do something in the second pa- uh, second down. And most times that first down run, everybody knew it was coming. And, okay, first down run, uh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try a second down run, but now we're second and long and miss. So there was guys all over that and upset because we're always running the ball and we shouldn't be running the ball. Well, 
all of a sudden the Saskatchewan Rough Riders start running the ball uh, or start uh, passing the ball and everybody's saying, well, go to Willie Powell. Why, why aren't you going to Willie Powell? We got Willie Powell. And uh, yeah, in this game here, he showed it. I mean, like I said, ran the ball right down the Toronto Argonauts throat. And I mean, just had some big, big plays that uh, that game there. Uh, I remember it pretty good because I took him on fantasy and I was I was smiling after that <laughs> one for sure. So uh, like I said, though, the other big thing, again, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense had a big game as well. Micah Tights had eight defensive tackles. He was starting to come out. Dion Lacey, uh, again, three tackles and a sack. Uh, Micah Johnson had a sack. Uh, lots and lots of pressure on the quarterback for the uh, Toronto Argonauts, Nick Arbuckle, and he just couldn't sort through it. Uh, the Rough Riders defense in this one, again, lots of this was, again, where big plays were made by your receiver and your uh, running back, but that defense was the big thing, again, for the Rough Riders to get the victory over the Argonauts. Yeah, and then we get into that wild game against BC here. A pretty back-and-forth game for most of it until we get late in the game. I think BC is up 24-18 here with about two minutes left. Uh, bad punt by Stefan Flintoft uh, goes out of bounds. The Riders take over. Cody Fajardo does, uh, to his credit, what he does quite often. I, I think he's very good at the late-game drives and being able to march the ball down the field. And an impressive one here yet again as 20 seconds left in the game, runs in for the QB sneak. Uh, Riders get the extra point. They go ahead 25-24. And then on the ensuing kickoff with two seconds left, Lucky Whitehead fumbles. And uh, the Riders take it in for a touchdown to pad the total there at the end of the game. But uh, a nice late game comeback. You know, you're coming off that uh, those games against the Bombers. And then you pick up that win over the, over the Argos. And a gutsy late game finish here for Saskatchewan. Seems like maybe things are right in the course a little bit uh, after that two-game spell against Winnipeg. Yep. No, it seemed like everything was turning around a little bit. The Rough Riders seemed to finally have a little bit of luck about moving the ball downfield. It was, again, not. it was done by committee. There wasn't really anybody that really stands out uh, huge in this one. Brayden Lenius had a big game. Uh, again, Schaefer Baker had five uh, or three receptions. Kyron Moore had six. It was, it was done by committee, but if you look at it again, the Rough Riders run game, not really there again. Willie Powell, only 42 yards. Cody Fajardo actually had 32 of his own, and they were trying something weird in the rushing category because Kyron Moore and Schaefer Baker uh, both had running yards in that game uh, for negative. It was just kind of a strange game that way, and you're right, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the big thing, I think, was that Blaze Brown forced fumble. Uh, and fumble recovery, uh, that was a big one. And then uh, Demarcus Gates right at the end there, just to get that uh, forced fumble, and that was the end of it. It was it was a game that the Riders had uh, some pieces that were missing still. If you remember, uh, AJ uh, 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 or AC Leonard was still out because of some incident that happened before that, where he didn't want to get tested. Uh, right. He wouldn't want to sit around for any length of time to get tested. So he was out the Banjo Bowl and this game, or sorry, the Argo game and the BC game, or am I thinking he was maybe injured at that time? I know he was I, out for two games. I can't games. remember the specifics. It was two games though, right? Yeah, it was two games, and it, it kind of messed with the Rough Riders' defensive line a little bit. Uh, they just weren't quite right at that point. But again, if you look at that run game for the Rough Riders and you look that there's no deep balls here, the big thing next is to look at 
why is there no balls going out or why is the running game maybe sometimes starting and stopping and doing all sorts of weird things. And you got to look at that offensive line. It was very young and it still was very young the whole time during this season. It just didn't, it started to seem to not gel there. And, you know, it was a great win for the Rough Riders. And I know the Rider fans were all kind of celebrating that we're going to probably get second place and host the playoff game. All we got to do is beat the, uh, beat the Stampeders. I mean, the Stampeders are terrible this year. I uh, I don't want to talk about what I posted on my Twitter that time <laughs> for the Stampeders fans because I'm sure they'll all remind me of what I did. And, uh, yeah, I uh, I think that uh, they'll probably have a few words about these next two games for sure. Adam's views are his own and do not represent the views of the Canadian Football Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> for, for any uh, Calgary Stampeders fans out there. Uh, yeah, three games here uh, against the Stampeders. Uh, I, I, I struggle a little bit with drawing specifics from each of them because they played, you know, so back-to-back so many in a row with them. They're all tight games. They all, you know, none jump out immediately off the, uh, the at least the box scores uh, to me. But really tight games. They do lose the first two there to Calgary, which... You know, a rough start to the year for the Stampeders. They started to come on, though, uh, I, I think, around this part of the season, those big wins over Saskatchewan, where, you know, early in the season, you're looking, okay, Winnipeg's probably going to be your first-place team in the, the West. Saskatchewan's probably going to be your second-place team. And then we'll see maybe a Calgary-BC tussle for, for third place there. But uh, some key matchups between these teams kind of turned the tide and made this, uh, uh, no pun intended, a horse race. Uh, going into the uh, the final stretch of the season between these. Uh, anything from any of these games to, to you that really stood out? You know, actually, I was at uh, the game in Saskatchewan. I wasn't at the game in Calgary. But uh, both of those games, the big thing that stood out to me was Bo Levi Mitchell airing it out big time uh, for the first two games and making the connection and making the touchdown real early for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I believe in the game against uh, Calgary at home, the uh, Rough Riders were down. I think it was 14-0, like just uh, almost within like three or four minutes into the game. And, you know, the Rough Rider fans were all still kind of into it. I mean, some of them. I remember seeing actually the people in front of me already heading home after the uh, first five minutes of the game. They're just, they're just stunned. They didn't know what hit them. And yeah, looks like looks like this one. Uh, so the fourteen nothing first quarter was uh, in Calgary, I believe, in Calgary, in that, okay. uh, that first one in week nine. Uh, but uh, much the same the week after a 10, 10 to three first quarter for Calgary uh, the week after there and a quick touchdown for them in that one. So two quick starts in a row there for the Stampeders, but uh, yeah. close games. And the other thing I remember about that game really um, was that Cody Fajardo was under pressure from the media and not just the media, the fans, everybody to start throwing the deep ball. We know he could do it. And the fans at this point were wanting that deep ball thrown and Cody tried, he tried a few times to hit it and he was just a few inches, a few feet off and just couldn't quite nail that ball. And just, it didn't work. And I think the one time he got picked off and it just, it, it, there was a lot of problems that didn't work in that game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it was amplified by the fact that the Rough Riders just couldn't get the uh, get the ball moving in the first game. Uh, the big thing that I can remember on that one again, Ke- Keon Schaefer Baker 
for most of the season, had a great season. Uh, again, showing off his great season, 107 yards in that first game. Usually that's a pretty good sign that you're doing good, especially when the uh, Calgary Stampeders receiver to max yards uh, Sean Bain had in that game was only 56. So Bo Levi went by committee, but he just methodically picked through it and tried to get things going. But I remember Cody Vajardo starting to force the ball a little bit in this game. And yeah, Jonathan Moxley got one on him. And then there was a couple of sacks and everything. It just started to go wrong for the Rough Riders pretty quick. It was almost a repeat of performance, and you're right. In game two, they were very similarly played games. Yes, they didn't get off to as big of a start. But like I say, it was kind of felt like the same idea. Cody was trying to air it out, trying to make that deep ball pass. And it just wasn't working. And that, that was the big thing for those first two games. And luckily, there was a bye week in between because the Riders really needed it at that point. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the deep balls. That's definitely something that I noticed a lot throughout the season, a lot of frustration, a lot of disconnect there. And, and I, you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand where the offensive line not necessarily giving Cody Fajardo enough time in some cases to, to connect on that deep ball. Also, you look at their set of receivers. I, I mean, Shaq Evans back in 2019 was the deep ball, big touchdown, big play guy. Kyron more and more of a possession receiver style uh they didn't necessarily have that big deep threat and i think it was magnified in these two games enough against calgary that coming out of the bye week against we and going into a week 12 another matchup with them uh you've got a fancy new tool in that offense coming into that game who who doesn't make a huge impact right away does more later on but uh how huge uh was it to pick up duke williams here in the middle of the season you know what, as much as guys said it was going to be a big deal, it was a huge deal for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There was really nothing, and you're right, it was mostly possession receivers. You look at Braden, uh, Braden Lenius, big guy, got good hands, but he's a guy that you want to put up the middle to try to make that catch that sometimes is a little bit tougher to make. Nobody really on that team, again, I still say Paul McRoberts, I really I really have faith in the guy, Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but he was one of those guys that was speedy and had hands, and I figured geez, why aren't we kind of putting him out there once or twice? But when Duke Williams showed up, the Rough Rider season almost changed. I don't know if it was just the uh, thought of, hey, we got a big receiver in, a big play receiver. Uh, things are going to go right. But it definitely, something definitely uh, started to uh, tick with the Rough Riders after that game uh, against Calgary where they won it. Uh, but again, the big thing in these games was, that offensive line, if you watch Calgary, their defensive line the whole season was not really the strongest of defensive lines, yet they could get through the Rough Riders offense very offensive line very easily. Um, if it was just by motion, if it was just by confusion, I'm not sure. But that, again, when Cody was starting to see the offensive line falling apart in front of him, he started panicking. And, again, you're trying to put everything on yourself. And in Saskatchewan, if you're the quarterback, you're the guy that everybody's coming for. And they don't look at anything else. They look at the quarterback first. And, I mean, it's not just in Saskatchewan. I'm sure it's in a few other teams. But Cody put a lot of pressure on himself after that. And he he tried to do some things to move around, get some, get some air or openings. But it just didn't work very well. Now, in this game against Calgary, the last one, he did have Duke Williams out there. More of it as a decoy because I don't think he had all the playbook with him yet. But he still had one or two catches, I believe, in that game and did help a little bit with the Rough Riders. 
Yeah, the middle chunk of the season, the Calgary chunk completes with a three and two record again in the, this section of the season, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, those two losses to Calgary, uh, the wins over Toronto, BC, and then Calgary there at the end. So another three and two section of the season here. You know, pretty consistent with the first part of the season. Uh, I would say that's a decent record to come out of this three matchups against the same team. Your you, chances are you're not winning all three of those. Uh, right. So, uh, maybe you hope for it. You hope for at least two, but, uh, some tough playing games there, but, uh, then we get into the final section of the season, four games left here. Uh, it starts with a 1914 win over the Montreal Alouettes, then a back-to-back series with the Edmonton Elks here, where first they go into Edmonton, win 1917, a close game there. Then a 29-24 win uh, at home the week after. And then, well, uh, week 16, not too much, I guess, really to talk about there. That was garbage time uh, because uh, both teams were uh, officially locked into a playoff spot, especially the Riders at that point, and uh, rested a bunch of their starters. But uh, they do go 3-1 and one down the stretch here. Uh, starting off that Montreal game, to me, the most memorable thing I can remember from this game was actually on the other side of things, which was Trevor Harris's debut uh, with the Montreal Wets after being traded there. But uh, from the Riders' side of things, uh, what was most notable here to you? You know, there's uh, two things that I can really remember about this was uh, Trevor Harris having a really decent, uh, but again, one of those quarterbacks that likes to play the small game and not maybe make those big long passes all the time. And if only a 34 yard was his longest, uh, but 80% completion rate, just really, really good. Then Matthew Schultz, who also had a pretty good game as well. Uh, but Cody Fajardo just not making those passes again. It, it was starting to disappoint the Rough Rider fans. Had only a 56% completion percentage, only 158 yards. 19 yards was the longest pass. It just was not a great game. At this point also, the Rough Riders lost uh, probably their biggest point maker in all of the season, John Ryan. I, I wanted to see what the guys were going to say. And I mean, shout out to the Piffles podcast. I mean, they always enjoy hearing about John Ryan singles and hearing <laughs> the crowd cheer about him. I, I know they enjoy that, but nevertheless. Anyways, uh, the big thing, though, that I remember about this game was uh, it actually happened the game before against Calgary. Duke Williams picking off an onside kick and going back in the Rough Riders win in this game. The Montreal Alouettes were down by five. Again, same thing. Kick an onside kick. Duke Williams comes down with the ball again. So Duke Williams, so far in Saskatchewan, his big thing was special teams and getting that ball and the recovery. Uh, that was the big thing I remember about this game against Montreal. Yeah, trading uh, the, the different meaning of big catches from Duke Williams here. Uh, 0.5 yard gains, but huge, huge catches nonetheless. Uh, weirdest stat line to me, William Powell, leading receiver on the team, uh, four catches for 40 yards in that game. Uh, you know what? It was an ugly win. It was a defensive effort yet again. Uh, and the Riders do pull one out there against Montreal. Then they get into the games against Edmonton, which were a little bit interesting because at this point in the season, I think Edmonton's, uh, officially been eliminated, if not, uh, very close to it, uh. Trying a, a couple of different things in this one, uh, in these ones here, but uh, it starts off uh, with a close 19-17 game. Riders up 13 nothing, uh, or sorry, 16-3 to going into the fourth quarter. 
Uh, 14 points by the Elks, though, to make it close late in this one. But uh, the Riders managed to hang on. Yeah. No, that was a big thing on this one. It was Cornelius's, I believe, his uh, – I don't know if it was his first start. But, no, um, he's, he started earlier uh, – I think he started against the Bombers back uh, a number of weeks ago. Uh, but then uh, then Trevor Harris came back in, so maybe second or third game for Cornelius here, I think. Yeah, no, like I said, the, he didn't really have a great game. And again, Edmonton just wasn't the strongest of teams last year. Uh, they had injuries on that offensive line as well as the Rough Riders. But uh, it, it just did not seem like something was not clicking the whole year with that Edmonton Elks team. Uh, just did not seem like uh, – it wasn't working well for him and it just it was turned him from a bad year to a worse year and um actually taylor cornelius did have a reasonable game he had 322 yards uh vander who vander vander boot i think i gotta pronounce that right by the end of the year uh had a pair of touchdowns in that one uh the the uh what do you call uh ac Leonard had a pair of sacks like the riders again were relying on their defense to make the plays and they got pressure onto Cornelius. He got some balls off early in the game, as far as I remember on that one. But then after a while, the Rough Riders just stifled him with the defense. Uh, lots of sacks in that game. Uh, the Riders just, again, defense won him that game more than anything. Uh, I'm just taking a look here. Cody Vajardo in the uh, long schemes of things had a little bit better of a game than he did in Montreal 24 for 33. Uh, 72% with 241 yards. Uh, but again, uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker is still your leading receiver. Just not a lot out of the Rough Riders uh, offense really that night. Uh, but again, their punting also was maybe uh, was was brought into question a little bit. I think it was v- Vivek's uh, first game, I believe. And he had a good punting night. But again, when you have John Ryan booting 70 yarders, it's a little hard to compare for 53 yarders. Uh, again, he did good for that game and maybe a little more controlled, but I guess that'll be for time will tell. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, something, you know, you got to make up a couple points off the board there as well. Right. Uh, with no John Ryan, uh, but uh, Kari Vedvik or Vivek uh, does, uh, does, play I think the rest of the season here for them and uh, is uh, slated to be the punter coming into this coming year it seems uh, I believe Duke Williams also another uh, onside kick catch uh, at the end of this one to complete the hat trick there and uh, as we uh, get into the rematch the week after uh, here's where he finally uh, you know goes from just the, uh, the making the huge impact in the onside kicks to this was Duke Williams' best game as a rider uh, to start the year here. Eight catches, 12 targets, 146 yards, and a touchdown. It was all over the field, especially in that first half. I think he almost had 100 yards there. Uh, quite a good game here between these two teams uh, in the back-to-back here. It's not easy to beat the same team twice in a row, even if it's the Edmonton Elks this past season. Uh, riders do pull out a, a 29-24 win. Uh, to me, the biggest thing here really was uh, the Duke Williams performance. This was all about him to me. Yeah, no, this was the Duke Williams coming out party that uh, I think the Riders were hoping for maybe a game or two before. But again, the guy must have just got going and he was on fire. 142 yards uh, passing. Just had a great game all around and really just it stepped on and dominated this whole game. Uh, the Rough Riders defense, again, was very strong. 
Uh, but yeah, no, this was all about Duke Williams in this game here. And like I say, 108 for 12, 146, uh, 48 yards is his longest catch of all night. And he opened up other plays too. Willie Powell had a pretty good game on the, uh, on the receiving side of, of the game. He had 30 yards uh, reception on one and just, yeah. But the big thing you're right was uh, Duke Williams just coming out and it was his coming out party. And then final game of the year, the Riders are locked into their playoff spot at that point. Hamilton, it was a bit of a question mark coming into it, but then Montreal blew it against Ottawa on Friday night. So then Hamilton didn't have anything to play for. Uh, so that, you know, they, they split the time with their quarterbacks and such. A 24-3 to loss, but certainly you can't be too mad about it when all of your starters are, are basically on the bench at Started off with Isaac Harker, then uh, Mason Fine came in late in the game and only threw the ball to Mitchell Pickton, it seemed, who, uh, you know, didn't get a ton of uh, looks his way during the season, but uh, had eight catches on 10 targets uh, in this one, including many in the the second half. Uh, The one guy I want to talk about, uh, because we haven't really talked about him this year, and I think he might be a bigger player coming into this season, is Jamal Morrow, uh, who the week before... Uh, the game we were just talking about against Edmonton had a huge kick return in, in that one. I think one of these games he had a kick return touchdown, unfortunately called back. Didn't really get involved on offense too much all season till this final game against Hamilton, uh, where he did put up 41 yards on the ground, put up another 29 through the air. We know William Powell's off to Ottawa this coming season. Uh, right now, it seems like it might be a Jamal Morrow. It might be Keenan LaFrance getting getting the rock uh, this season. Uh, what do you think of uh, Jamal Morrow? You know, Jamal Morrow is a good player, I believe. Again, special teams wise, uh, very dangerous returner in uh, in special teams, and you look for that also in your running back. I think he's got the talent to do it. However. He's going to be his first year really actually doing a running back role. Uh, I know William Powell was out that game against Hamilton, and it was mostly Jamal Morrow that I believe was running the ball in that one just as kind of an over-glorified exhibition game, if I'm to be honest with you, on that game against Hamilton. But, uh, yeah, it just did not uh, – he had nine carries for 41 yards in a game that didn't matter – uh, Hamilton was just wanting to get another victory before they started uh, going into playoffs. I know the question was in Saskatchewan, how come Cody, Cody Fajardo didn't go out there, try to get something going with his offensive uh, receivers. That was the big one in there. But you're right, Jamal Morrow is probably the guy in Saskatchewan right now. He's going to have some competition, though. Keenan France, I think, has that opportunity if he can get it. The other thing also is now the Rough Riders did make a signing for Shaq Cooper out of BC. If Shaq Cooper can prove that he's got maybe a little more talent, they still have that opening right now for an American spot with all the wide receiver uh, talent that the Canadian in the Canadian spot that the Riders have. They maybe want to look at Shaq Cooper. Uh, I don't know who's that's going to be an interesting battle though for, uh, for preseason for sure. And into training camp. So a nine and five record to round out the regular season. Uh, I believe uh, they uh, finished second in the West. It was right. They up yep, second in the West. They host the Calgary Stampeders for yet another matchup coming to the playoffs. And so kicks off the the most bizarre two game playoff sequence I have ever seen a single team play uh, in the Canadian Football League. 
Uh, it starts off with what uh, very well could have been considered the game of the season or maybe just the half of the season because God knows that first half was ugly. Uh, the Riders and the Stampeders end up taking this to overtime. Saskatchewan pulls out a 33-30 win on a day when Cody Fajardo throws for under 200 yards and four interceptions. Uh, what, was your, what was your thought process? as you were going through and watching this game. I couldn't remember if my, I, I was worried for my TV safety at this point because it was just one of those games where you're like, what in the world? Like you didn't know what was going to happen next to be honest with you. Um, I like describing it as a train wreck. You, you go and if you see a train wreck, you want to look away, but yet you can't stop watching it. It was a bad football game. By not just the Rough Riders, by both teams. Um, like I say, the Rough Riders made enough plays in the end to win this one. Duke Williams at 55 yards was 5 for 5. Um, and then your second highest receiver for the Rough Riders, William Powell, 7 for 9. I mean, it's just one of those games that you didn't know what was going to happen. Kadeem Carey, 117 yards. Uh, Cody Fajardo had 89 yards rushing, led the team. It was just... Just one of those games that you just didn't know what was ever going to happen here at any time. I mean, Jamal Morrow had uh, had a big game in returning balls. Uh, just it was such a strange, strange football game. And like you said, I think Cody Fajardo just wanted to try to say, "Okay, I can come out here. I'm going to play the big game. I can play the big game." Then through four interceptions, <laughs> it, it was just just something else. I mean. I, uh, I remember watching a little bit of it and then having to go and uh, kind of just stream it once in a while while I was actually already <laughs> helping my hockey team. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know why I'm on the bench here. I should be watching this game at home because it was just incredible. Yeah, uh, Jamal Morrow actually did get a return touchdown in this one. Uh, so uh, go back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago on him. A nice playoff performance here from him but uh yeah the six interceptions combined from between Cody Fajardo and Bo Levi Mitchell most of them coming from in the first half I think at one point uh Jonathan Moxie of the Stampeders might have been Cody Fajardo's go-to receiver uh because he had the hat trick so he had three interceptions there uh it's a it's a 10-8 Saskatchewan lead at halftime then uh then things explode kind of 23 points combined between the teams in the fourth quarter and uh lots of back and forth lots of exciting play the Riders got the William Powell very much involved something like 25 touches in this one for him and uh you know, things go back and forth, back and forth. Calgary kicks a field goal with a minute left to tie it. And uh, Saskatchewan has a bit of time on the board, can't get the point. They go to overtime and uh, teams trade field goals before Brett Water sends them home with a 34-yard uh, uh, win there on the final play of the game. Uh, what a weird sight to behold this was, but... Uh, you know what? All throughout the playoffs, all the playoff games in general this year were fantastic, and uh, this was certainly one of those. You know, it was actually amazing, though, when you look at the attendance of that game, under 25,000 people in Mosaic Stadium for a playoff game. Back in the, and I mean, maybe the Ryder fans are just starting to get used to uh, winning and always being in a home playoff game, but man, like... It was a long time since that I remember when the Riders weren't even thinking about making a playoff. They were hoping to make a playoff game, not a home playoff game. 
And I think next year, when you see, if you watch those playoff games again, you ain't missing one this year. That's for sure. Uh, those That game was just utterly exciting at all times. Uh, I don't remember what the East semifinal was like uh, last year on that one. But yeah, that West semifinal was just, just incredible. Yeah, and then coming out of that game, uh, you go up against the Goliaths, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and a lot of people were not giving Saskatchewan <laughs> a chance coming into this game at all because Cody Fajardo's coming off four interceptions against the Stampeders, and you're thinking, well, what are the Bombers' de- what is the Bombers defense going to do to them? Uh, not a lot of people gave the Riders a chance, but uh, they showed life early on in this game. They they made this a close game. Uh, for quite a while here, uh, but they do end up falling 21-17 to the Bombers, and in a weird turn of events after that, you know, they throw four interceptions the last week, uh, force, I think, six turnovers against Winnipeg, but can't, but only 17 points to show for it, can't get it done. I mean, that's going to be the storyline of the, uh, of the way they go out here, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the Rough Riders just couldn't get anything going again with that, with the running game. Uh, only 11 carries for William Powell in that game, 32 yards. But you could just see right off the bat that that was not working at all to run on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The only thing that was kind of keeping the Rough Riders in this was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers aiming a shotgun at their foot and trying to pull the trigger every time. But Saskatchewan, give them credit. They kept in it. They kept it competitive. Right until the fourth quarter, this game could have and up to two minutes left. This game could have went either way. Uh, we won't talk about what happened in 2019. <laughs> uh, we don't want to remember that. But like I say, it was one of those games that uh, the Ryder fans, again, it was talked on in the news. They're going to Winnipeg. They're probably going to get destroyed. It's the end of it. We all knew that. But yet, two minutes left, the Ryder fans... Maybe they got built up for a little bit of hope and then got crushed promptly. But, you know, like I say, the Riders actually gave it a pretty good effort there. And that defense was just, again, was what it was all season. Very, very strong defense. Uh, Dion Lacey, seven tackles and a, a fumble recovery. Ed Ganey, five tackles and an interception. Nick Marshall, four and an interception. Uh, Nigel Harris, who just came in later in the season, four tackles and an interception, just big, big plays by the Riders, all game in the defensive side of things. But again, the Achilles heel of the Riders was, can they move the ball downfield after they get it? And Cody Fajardo proved again that that offensive offense was very suspect in moving the ball. And in the end, it killed the Riders. They, there's no reason in a six turnover game that you should lose the game in all honesty, but it's just that that blue bomber defense kept holding the riders back. And I mean, field goals only cover so much. And after a while, it just caught up to the riders. And I'll be honest. I'll tell you in most games throughout the season as a bomber fan, I was, I was not worried. Uh, right. Uh, coming in, even in coming into the half, if they were down, you think, well, they're not going to allow points in the fourth quarter. So get to their, uh, with the tie game, you should be fine. At halftime, I, like I was at this West final here at halftime, I, I was genuinely concerned because the Riders were forcing a ton of turnovers early in this game. Winnipeg couldn't seem to, I mean, Zach Caleros was efficient. He was 81% passing. Only one of his passes was hit the ground. 
uh, because three of his four incompletions went to the Riders' secondary uh, in this one. But uh, some turnovers, Winnipeg got close to the end zone a couple of times, then uh, turned the ball over in the end zone or at the goal line. Saskatchewan got the ball back. Like, this one could have gone either way right until the end. And, and, you know, the Riders do get shut out in the fourth quarter here again uh, at the end of the day and can't get it done. But they had their chances. They drove late in the game. They couldn't convert on third down uh, there at the end of the game. And unfortunately, just fall just short. But uh, it's going to be a disappointing result. Obviously, lost to the division rivals in the playoffs again uh, here. uh, It definitely stings. But... I, I give the mad props for this game to end the season here. You know, it was a good game overall for the Rough Riders. And again, the defense was doing what it always does. Uh, but kudos to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, you look at their defensive line. That defensive line had four sacks in the whole game, or five sacks, I believe. Uh, the Rough Riders got one. Keon Adams got to Zach Kolaros once. Uh, Kolaros stayed up right Yes, he was probably excited and threw a few picks and did a few other things that he probably shouldn't usually doesn't do. But again, the the Bombers did exactly what they needed to do to win that game. Uh, But if you would have told me still that the Rough Riders were going to be in it with two minutes left, I guarantee there was a few guys that were holding on to their drinks in Winnipeg awful tight. (laughs) Yeah, it was a a stressful game, right? Uh, As it does uh, come playoff time. Uh, So overall... 9-5 Nine and five season, second in the West. Go out in the West final again this season. Uh, overall take on the Riders' twenty twenty one season as we say goodbye to it. To me, uh, they passed my expectations preseason. I did not have them going as far as they did. I had them last in the West. They surprised me. I thought they were a fairly good team. I thought they were a very underrated team a lot of the season as well. Like. Nine and five teams, second place in the division, even though a lot of those games against Calgary, going against Calgary in the playoff, coming into the playoffs, a lot of people were favoring the Stampeders, I feel like, against the Riders there even. So uh, a well-rounded team had its flaws, but uh, I think was very underrated this season. What's your overall take? You know, I was probably about the same way. I think that they, uh, what they proved is that they have a lot of depth in that team. They had 16 guys on the in- six-game injured list, had a pile on the one-game injured list all the time. They are rotating through because they just had no choice. Uh, the Rough Riders probably exceeded expectations just because of all the injuries that they had. Mm-hmm. However, it's still in Saskatchewan's way of doing things right now. It's This year especially, it's great copper bust. Last year was that year where we wanted to make that step over to Bombers and Let's face it, they just they couldn't do it. I mean, the Bombers were an exceptional team on defense and offense. They were good, too. They, they kept their quarterback where they needed to. They were a good team. But the, the Riders were one of those teams that I believe will be, when they look back at it, they're going to say, we've got a lot of guys that are just kind of getting into from the practice roster and ready to make the main roster area. And they had to prove it last year because there were so many injuries. And that offensive line didn't look anything like it did in 2019, yet they still kind of kept you within two minutes of a great cup, essentially. So going into uh, offseason, I think the Riders probably were probably pretty happy where they were. But again, anytime you lose against, it's the old saying, you lose against Bombers, you're upset. But I think the Riders could probably accept that one but looking forward to next year for sure. 
Yeah, well, let's take a quick look at uh, their offseason thus far. Uh, we'll dive more in-depth into that uh, once we get into our season previews. But uh, quite a big overhaul in terms of major pieces, maybe, that, that won't be back this year. I mean, you look at uh, guys like Micah Johnson, McKenna Henry on the defensive line, Luchas Purifoy, Ed Ganey in the backfield. Deion Lacey, uh, Jonathan Woodard, uh, the guy, we didn't even talk about Jonathan Woodard. We, we mentioned AC Leonard before, uh, but uh, shout out to him. He had himself a fantastic season, 10 sacks for him. Uh, him and AC Leonard this season were a, uh, a fantastic d- dynamic duo there. Uh, so got to give a shout out to him as he goes off to an NFL opportunity there. Uh, Braden Lenius is off to the NFL. John Ryan's uh, gone at at punter here. Uh, Jordan Williams Lambert, William Powell, a uh, number of uh, number of key players that are now gone uh, this off season. Uh, not too many new additions for them, but the biggest ones there being Derek Moncrief and uh, leading tackler in the CFL, ninety seven tackles last season. Darnell Sankey is a huge addition to bring in there at linebacker. Uh, what do you make of what they've lost and uh, what they've gained? I look at the D- Riders defense first and foremost, and their defensive backs, I don't care if anybody tells me that, yes, there's some guys that are ready to make the next step. They lost a lot of talent in that off and that defensive secondary. Uh, when you look at a guy like even Kevin Francis or LJ McCray, Luchez Purifoy, like you said before, all those guys there are big, big pieces of that defensive back. Jacob Dearborn, he had actually started to develop at the end of the season. And just again, another loss in that defensive backfield. Yes, they kept a few pieces that they really needed to keep. But like I say, their their defensive backs are not what they used to be last year. That being said, though, their linebacking core, I don't think anybody's going to beat that in the league this year. Sankey was a huge piece. But you put him right beside Derek Moncrief, that is a juggernaut of a yeah. uh, of a de- of a linebacking core. And I mean, and I'm Micah Tights still, right? And Micah Tights is still there. By the way, we'll just rotate him in once in a while, I guess. But like <laughs> I'm saying, it's just it, it's a plethora of uh, riches in in the linebacking core. And usually, that sort of Rough Riders don't usually have a lot of uh, depth as in linebacker. Not uh, to mention Larry Dean, who didn't yeah. play last season under contract here again, right? What kind of role will he play there? Stacked at the linebacker position. Yep. And then when you look at their defensive line, they've lost a few big pieces. Like you said before, Jonathan Woodard, we didn't mention much, but he was such a key on getting uh, getting guys off of, the, uh, off of the line and trying to get guys moving and could really do a great job of getting to that backfield, maybe not against the Bombers, but every other team. Uh, <laughs> The other one also is uh, you don't have Micah Johnson coming back. Like I said before, everybody never – you don't hear very much about Micah Johnson in, in Rough Rider world, and that's namely because he's so good. He doesn't hold. He doesn't grab. He holds he, – he's usually pushing around two offensive linemen at the same time. They have to double-team him because otherwise he's instantly through. So that's a huge uh, loss for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year in that defensive line also mac henry sometimes a little bit of a trouble with uh with uh you know keeping within the rules but hey he's a big guy he was one of those guys that always plays on that edge and was just a big piece for the rough riders in the defensive line they're gonna miss him next year that being said 
I think they've got a few pieces uh, from last year that they've seen were really starting to develop. Uh, Dan, our Marino was one of those pieces, Garrett Marino. I think that they'll be okay in the defensive line and plugging in a few pieces. They aren't going to be the same as last year, but they should be okay. That being said, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm very, very nervous to see what that defensive backfield is going to look like. I know Webb has been uh, is probably going to get a starting spot now. Uh, Nick Marshall's still there. Uh, the other one is safety, and I mean Mike Edom has been hurt once in a while now. And will the Rough Riders have a problem in the safety spot? Hard to say, but like I say, that secondary is what's starting to get me maybe a little bit concerned as a Rough Rider fan. But you know what? Don't look at the defensive secondary. Just look at our linebackers. Yeah, yeah. All the the, the ball's not even going to pass the linebackers, right? Absolutely I mean, not. I mean, they just sack them every every uh, down, and I mean, we'll be good. Yeah, there you go. New game plan. Put every yep. down. Um, on the, I'm excited to see what the offensive side of the ball is going to bring this season because a, a full caliber offensive side of the ball. You know, uh, they had a number of guys on the offensive line that that sat out or had, were out due to injury this past season. What does it look like to have them back? What does it look like to have Shaq Evans back uh, for a full season this year? You know, he struggled when he came back uh, after his injury this season. Uh, didn't really, you know, have his big games that we've seen from him in the past there. Uh, also having a full season of Duke Williams uh, in there as well. You know, running game, we're not sure. Will it be Shaq Cooper? Will it be uh, Jamal Morrow? We'll interest to see how they deploy those guys there. I'm excited to see what the offense is going to bring, and uh, much like you, interested to see what the uh, the defensive overhaul is going to bring. Absolutely. The offensive side of things, I think the Rough Riders, uh, again, it was a year of adjustment for a lot of the receiving core in there. Um, again, losing those big pieces like Brady and Lady, and so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do to plug that hole. He was one of those guys that you can rely on to make that big catch when you needed to make the big catch. Uh, Mitch Pickton now probably is going to be that guy that's going to have to do that as well as uh, also uh, Justin McKinnis is going to have to step up a little bit and make some of those plays. Again, I'm on the Paul McRoberts bandwagon and I'm terrible for this. And I'm sorry for those guys that are saying, why are you giving him such credit? But you know what? I just, I've watched this guy in practice and the practice and everything else. And unless he's going to get uh, the Terrence Nunn award, which is the rough rider that played the best in the, preseason and didn't do anything in the regular season I don't think I think that Paul McRoberts has some more to offer and that's why the Riders brought him back this season where I'm going to be focusing more of my attention though is on that offensive line they were not very good last year you look at the results for William Powell he had a off year maybe but the offensive line didn't give him any real amount of help uh they're losing Brett Boyko this season. However, they're gaining a few other pieces into here. Uh, they've gotten uh, Jamal Campbell from the Toronto Argonauts. He's going to be a big piece. Uh, Simone uh, uh, Simba in there. Sorry, I mean, names are terrible in the first name right now. But Simba is going to be a big, both literal and physical um, uh, piece onto that offensive line. And I think he has the opportunity to start now in the CFL. We're going to see if he takes that step, though, I guess, during training camp. But he looks pretty good. Uh, the Rough Riders also are going to be gaining a few other pieces. Uh, Andrew Lauderdale is now in with the Rough Riders, I see, as well. He's going to be a big piece of that uh, offense. It's going to be interesting also to see how Logan Furland 
the local kid does going on further into this offensive line and the Rough Riders, he's going to be asked to be playing a big piece of it going forward. And especially with Dan Clark uh, getting to that age where, you know, he every year they always seem to try to replace Dan Clark in Saskatchewan. Don't ask me why, they just want to replace him. And every year he proves that he should be on the team. He's eventually, one day they're going to have to find somebody to replace Dan Clark. And I'm very, cons- my biggest concern of worry right now is still how much depth does this Rough Rider team have on offensive line? If they have all the depth and they have the pieces, they'll be okay. And I think that the Rough Riders uh, offense will definitely be lit up a little bit more than last year for sure. Uh, now the big piece that, again, nobody brought up yet, there's two pieces left. Uh, the running game, it's going to be a battle for that running back position. I think if the offensive line improves a little bit, no matter if it's going to be Jamal Morrow or Shaq Cooper or uh, – uh, Keenan LaFrance in the backfield, I think that the Rough Riders will be okay. I'm just concerned about blocking, and that's where I get now to Cody Fajardo. I think he had a bad season last year, and he'll be the first to admit it. Uh, let's face it, having a Rough Rider uh, fan base on top of you and trying to jump yeah. you every chance they get on social media or wherever doesn't help anything. But you know what? I think that he's going to come in with a new focus this year. And I think he's going to be pretty strong again. Um, he's, he's, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he runs good. He makes good passes. Uh, sometimes he still throws that errant ball that maybe you wish he wouldn't throw. But overall, I think Cody Fajardo is going to get off his sophomore year and come into this year and be a lot stronger than you'll see in 2021. Well, we'll see what uh, the draft coming up in just under a month brings for the team as well. Training camps as well. You mentioned the the defensive backfield earlier. Uh, You know, that's a great spot to fill uh, with guys coming in in training camp as well. And uh, on my uh, my early uh, Canadian football countdown fantasy mock draft, I've got Paul McRoberts Jr. penciled in at number one overall pick for Adam. (laughs) No, I agree with that one. I, I don't know why. Like I said, I just, I'm still trying to figure that one out from last year. And I think that he'll probably end up uh, probably being a big part, especially when you see Jordan Williams Lambert not back with the Rough Riders right. this year. Somebody's got to fill that spot. And it's either probably going to be Ricardo Lewis or it's going to be Paul McRoberts. And well, it'll be an interesting training camp battle. That's for sure. Well, any final thoughts on the Riders before we start wrapping things up here? You know, I, the big thing I think with the Rough Riders is uh, there's a lot of expectations on them. It's 2022. The Rough Riders are hosting the Grey Cup this year. And let's face it, when the Riders are hosting the Grey Cup, you're expected to win a Grey Cup in Saskatchewan. It happened in 2013. Uh, let's face it, they want Lightning to strike the ball or strike twice in in Mosaic Stadium. Uh, if they're gonna they're gonna try to do something here, and I'm sure. It's very interesting to see how this is all going to develop. But I think the Riders are probably going to be very strong again this year. That being said, Edmonton's gotten stronger too. So has Calgary. And even the BC Lions have improved a little bit. So it's a very crowded West Division. Yeah. And I think, again, it's going to be come down to probably, well, probably two minutes left in the West Final to decide <laughs> who's going to the Grey Cup. So. I can't wait to see how it all plays out this season. Uh, this officially does it for our 2021 season deep dive series. We say goodbye to 2021, never talk about it again. Uh, no, I'm sure we'll mention it at times throughout this year, but, uh, 
make sure uh, you go back, check out all of the other episodes in the series. They're all on the podcast feed uh, over the past couple of months, uh, whatever podcast platform. You can check those out. As for what's to come in the coming months here uh, before we get into the season, uh, next week, Adam, myself, and uh, Trey Kolbeck uh, will have a mini off-season roundtable. We'll discuss some of the hottest topics around the league from the past number of weeks. Uh, we may even get into uh, different things Shy Ross can try backflipping with uh, going forward. He's done an Oreo, he's done a barbell. Uh, we'll talk about that, among other things, next week. So look forward to, uh, to that coming out next Friday on uh, all the podcast platforms as well. Uh, lots more fun off-season content to come over the next month or so, and then we start getting into our season preview shows there. And, of course, you can hear Adam, Trey, and myself uh, on our weekly preview show every week throughout the, the CFL season. Uh, myself, Michael Garrell, and Brian Lowe will have a recap each week there as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Do all the fun things. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends. Help us grow the show. We appreciate that. Uh, where can people find you on social media, Adam, and anything else you got going on? Uh, no, you can find me over at Adam Stewart one. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, CFL stuff, if you're interested in farm stuff, uh, if you even like some hockey, I've even got a little bit of that there too for you. Uh, just, yeah, join me over there if you'd like to. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the new season here. Uh, lots of stuff in the last week, even going on in the CFL, uh, it'll be very interesting to get some insight there from Trey and, uh, yeah, got to keep these Bomber fans in, in check, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, the rivalry will brew strong uh, throughout the season here on the podcast. Very excited for all the great content to come. Of course, if you want to hear about uh, more about Adam and his uh, CFL fandom, make sure you check out uh, a recent podcast episode we put out uh, where we talked all about uh, his uh, history as a CFL fan and his thoughts on some of the current events around the CFL. Check that out. Uh, for the podcast, you can find it on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, on Facebook, the Canadian Football Countdown. There, you can find myself at Cooper Trooper42 on Twitter. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. You can find those on Twitter at CF Pod Network. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>